Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. What's shaking, folks? Hey, I just want to alert everyone to the fact that the best damn Texas football, Big 12, and Longhorn opponent preview in the world is now available. It's called the 2023 Longhorn Football Perspectives, Thinking Texas Football. It's the 11th annual. Uh, it's 177 pages in the print version and uh, over 50,000 words, all on your favorite team, all on their opponents. Uh, I go into every player, every position, every unit. I talk about uh, the Texas move to the SEC and what it means and why it was a long time coming. And I have all sorts of other enrichment stuff in there in terms of predictions for the conference, uh, matchups, strengths and weaknesses of every opponent. And uh, hopefully it's written with a high level of analysis and a dash of humor to keep you entertained. So anyway, it was a huge undertaking as it always is. It's also a labor of love. And it's something I get a great response on every year. If you have not bought this preview, now's a great time to do it. You can buy it at three places. The first and most obvious is Amazon. 800 pound gorilla. You could buy the print version there. Uh, that print version is phenomenal. The only thing I regret about the print version is it's black and white for financial reasons. Uh, and so that means that you don't get the full effect of Will Gallagher's amazing photographs uh, that he provides for the preview. Uh, but the rest of the preview is great. And I still think the preview, the photographs are actually kind of awesome and classic looking in black and white. The other two places you can buy it electronically are Apple which is straightforward enough. If you're an iPad user or you're a Mac or you want to read it on your iPhone, just go buy it on the Apple store. You can have it in your hot hands right this instant. And then finally, there's Smashwords, which is an independent publisher. If you want to support the little guy, uh, which I like to do, uh, it's a great place to publish. And it's also a great place to buy your book because it is system and platform agnostic, uh, not the biblical or religious sense of agnostic, but rather the sense that it doesn't care or doesn't know what what platform it's being used on. Meaning, if you want to read it on a Kindle, go buy it on Smashwords. If you read it, want to read it on your iPad, you can buy it on Smashwords. In fact, I've actually noticed the Smashwords version reads better, ironically enough, on an, on an iPad than the Apple version. I don't know why that is. Uh, it has probably has to do with Steve Jobs passing away. Steve would never have allowed that to happen. Anyway, uh, just wanted to share that with you. I hope all of you jump in. If you're not sure about reading the preview, hey, go read the reviews. You can read them on Amazon. You can read them on Apple. You can read them on Smashwords. It's a bunch of five-star reviews. And, and people are really kind enough to write great reviews and give you a good understanding of what the preview is and why you should buy it. Uh, go do it now. I hope you enjoy it. And we're in the home stretch for football. Y'all take care. Welcome back to everyone gets a trophy. Hey. 
I've got a very special guest. I've had him before. He's back by popular demand. He's the prince, the crown prince of East Texas. You know him as Justin Wells. I know him as Rubble's dad. Here he is in all his glory. Justin, say hello to the people. Dear people, it's, <laughs> it's so nice to hear and see you guys again. I'm just going to envision you're there because the, I know that Mr. Paul Waddlington has a vast, uh, you know, so we, we've, the, the fan mail is just, it's, it's so, it's so much. It, it's so, it, it's such a popular thing here. So I'm just so blessed and, and thankful that friends and fans. All right. Well, I'm trying, I've got an expansion play going, Justin, just like the big 12 trying to stay relevant and afloat. I'm trying to expand my East Texas audience because my book sales aren't doing very well in East Texas because it's it's a written form of communication. But I figured podcasting, <laughs> the East Texas insults have already started, Justin. Get ready. Uh, that, I figured that, that, that was it, some backhanded move like pickleball. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I figured if we do it with an audio format. I thought that might be a bigger hit with the people out there. What do you think about that, Justin Wells? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, now. All right. You're, you're, you're trying to be my, my Hank, my uh, Ed McMahon on, on my bad comedy. All right. Hey, before we get into discussing all this stuff, I want to talk about something, something important, Justin. It has to do with the biggest financial decision most of us make in our lives. It's buying a house, Justin. It's a big deal. You're sitting in a house. You're living in, you live in Tyler, is that correct? Correct. All right. The fine city of Tyler. The Rose City, Justin. Accurate. Uh, that is accurate. Well, when you bought that house, it was important probably to not just use some yayho to lo local bank or a chain national bank or something like that who clocks in, clocks out, the quote rate monkey mortgage broker. You want a guy who's a UT grad, he's got a law degree, he's got 20 years in the industry, and he's sharp as a tack, right? And the personal touch. And the personal touch, Justin. The folded mint on the, on the pillow, right? The little geese that they do on cruises they, they, when you leave your bed and stuff like that. And that's what Gabe Winslow does for the awesome EGAT listeners. You can reach Gabe at 832-557-1095. Hey, all joking aside, Gabe is really, really good at what he does. St extremely sharp guy, huge supporter of all things Longhorn. That isn't why you should call him, though. You should call him because he's the best damn guy at what he does in the great state of Texas. And that is not something I say lightly. So, Justin Wells, I want to talk some football with you. I want to talk some recruiting with you. I want to talk about the state of, of Beast Texas. I want to talk a little bit about some of the beast Texans who are on the current roster at Texas who are waiting their turn. Uh, the Jure Bledsoe's of the world. Um, where do you want to start? This is, you are the guest, you are the esteemed guest. Where do you want, where do you want to start talking, man? What's on your mind? Honestly, what's on my mind is, is camp is five days away. Yep. Um, four days away. Like that's, that's the big thing on my mind because not only is it a lot of anticipation for this season, Paul, I mean, 2023, there's a lot of things that, that are lining up really well for this program. If, if things go the way they should. And so I think there's, there's an anticipation there. There's, there, there's some anxiousness to get that thing going. 
And so that to me is what I, because I know, and, and our, you know, for us personally, we'll shift gears and it becomes not so much recruiting and it gets so much more emphasis on team. I'll be back in and out of Austin, you know, for the next couple of weeks all throughout August. It's that time of year. So that's kind of what I think of. It's, it, it's the smell of the grass before baseball season. It's the call me nostalgic, but seeing the freshmen out there with New Jersey numbers and, and taking photos and seeing the progress of the other guys, that's what's on my mind. We're so close. I can taste it. And I know 2023 is going to be something unique, Paul. I feel like I feel like there's there's a good direction there. I feel the same way. I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about Texas, and I try to be a realist about it. But I just like a lot how a lot of things are setting up and profiling. Um, that's got to get done on the field. We'll see. Hey, I'm curious about recruiting. Obviously, we're going to be shifting when we go to camp and reporting. Recruiting is going to slow down a little bit. A little emphasis now that it's become a year-round sport, but what do you think? Where does Texas sit heading into that period? And the the secondary question to it, Justin, since we're just talking real, do you feel that Texas is casting potentially too narrow of a net in recruiting, or is the staff that confident in hitting on a lot of their big targets? I'll, I'll start with the second one. Um, the narrow recruiting angle, there's 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 the thought to that because it seems, you know, they're not in the, the I believe they're around the top 20 in the on three 2024 industry rankings. I want to say number 18, 19, 20. They, they kind of go around there in that range right now. And so not kind of where Texas fans are used to, but realist and, and basic fans understand, look, that's Kind of sometimes that's where you're at when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, July and, and August. Um, it's it, it you know especially after the last two classes they were not only large you know 24, 25, 26 man classes they had big names they had big players they had guys that are going to make impacts over the next you know few years quickly and so I think that's kind of sh- shifted the the mindset too. I think Texas was all in on who exactly they wanted. And now I believe they're at 15 commitments. They're probably going to get another seven or eight guys in this cycle. I think they're ready to take their time. They've got the focus on the Colin Simmons. They got the focus on the Kobe Black. They have the focus on on those guys that they're going to recruit through the whistle. You know, even your Micah Hudson from Lake Belton, you know, Chris Jackson and those guys aren't going to stop recruiting those guys. And so it's to me, I don't think it's a narrow focus as much as, a Texas offer is you don't see it as much around like like you did. Like when Mac Brown had it, it became so valuable. I mean, I believe there was one cycle, the Matthew Stafford cycle, where they offered 27 kids and 23 or 24 signed. I mean, that's ridiculous. And Texas, that offer is kind of getting back to that way in a, in, in a little bit, at least. And, and players are noticing that stuff. And so I think Texas thinks – if we go into week two and beat on Alabama that night, they haven't lost at home at night since 2015. Um, that's going to put a, a charge into what they're doing, which they're setting themselves up nicely with five stars. Colin Simmons, they're in a great spot. Kobe Black, they're in a great spot. Dominic McKinley, the big defensive tackle out of uh, Ak- 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 Diana, 
um, high school down in Lafayette, Louisiana. He is a big monster with a little brother that's also going to be a big monster. These kids attend Monsters University. I mean, there's so many, there's talented dudes there that Texas is setting themselves up for. And I think they've done what they did, the pool party, the bash, the, the end of the summer type deal uh, on Thursday night. Uh, they brought in some 2025, 2026 guys that I think you build foundations for and going to be very talented, top 100, top 150 top kids over the next year or two. But the focus is clearly going into training camp. And I think the narrower that focus is because it they've got about seven or eight spots left. <clears throat> and, and I think they're having to be judicious with what they who they're going to take and, and who's going to fill in. And, and at this stage, I feels like once they get past Alabama, if they go into Big 12 play undefeated, if they're, you know, if they're really playing well going into October, this class might start jumping in on its own and, and them being patient like they are will pay off. If we've learned anything, Sark will play the long game in recruiting. It's particular players. He doesn't do it. He doesn't catch. It doesn't, it's not a wide overcast. He'll do it for particular players, but He'll play the long game, and um, he's proven the last two cycles that that he, he's got the winning hand more often than not. Makes sense to me. Uh, that brings up a lot of things, Justin. So I've got a little strain of Louisiana heritage, so it's Acadiana. Acadiana, okay. Yeah, there you go, like the Acadians. That's it, what the original Cajuns well, I mean, what was the prop bet on me not enunciating something properly on this platform? In this, but, I mean, what was the prop bet? But for Three East minutes, Texan – for an East Texan not to nail Louisiana, come on, man. That, that, Two fingers. Y'all, 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 y'all frequent some of the same swamps. I've been. Here's the worst part. I've been through there. Well, there you go. I can tell you about all those those areas. I've driven through there from a oil oil uh, oil field standpoint, and from a inside Texas covering the country standpoint. And um, I got to be better. Let me tell you, if Dominic McKinley commits to Texas, I'll learn that in French. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely. We, we, uh, so Texas has 15 commits currently ranked number 19 in the on three rankings. That 15 commits is key. Uh, obviously the volume of your class helps influence your ranking, not just the quality. Uh, there's plenty of schools right now. If y'all look, it's shocking how recruiting has, has ramped, has gotten earlier and earlier in terms of oh. filling up. I mean, there's, there's teams that have their entire group committed right now in J late July. Uh, Two more things. You mentioned on-field results. That's a great point, Justin. I think this might be a staff betting on itself. No question. They're, they're betting on this football team. They're betting on themselves saying, hey, with some of these guys who want to extend their window and, you know, go do it in an Under Armour game, which half the time is not going to happen anymore now because schools aren't going to wait. But you're also going to have the decommitments, Justin. So we're acting like everything, every, because everyone snapped up and with oral commitments that they're not going to get back and play. Hey, we just had, I think Auburn just stole a five-star guy from Georgia today or yesterday, right? Oh, so yeah. that there, there's stuff in play. There's stuff at work. I think the staff's betting on itself. And the, you know, the other thing that occurred to me, Justin, as, I, as you were talking and giving your, good, your very good answer, I think this staff wants to always leave a little room on, in the portal. I think not from a, you know, like, OU went out and got 22 dudes. No. Texas ain't doing that. But I think we're going to go get four to six key players every year that we think fill an important hole. And it's somewhere in between kind of what, oh, 
I'd say USC is doing, which is pretty heavy portal or you know, Ole Miss is very portal centric. And then Clemson, which won't even use the portal, I think to their detriment, frankly, I think they want to leave a little bit of room for the portal and going and getting certain experienced plug-in players that just fill those little, those little niches and little holes that can make your team better. Remember Sark went through the NFL during his, you know, uh, coaching renaissance, coaching experience, coaching story. Uh, he, he went through the NFL and he learned you have to churn the bottom of that roster. And one of the things you have to do is you always got to kind of wait and keep a couple spots because you never know what could come along. I think what you've seen from a lot of programs is, yeah, they're having to go in there and completely reconstruct and take a ton of people. You're seeing some programs like Texas A&M lose between 25 and 30 in one cycle last year. That I mean, that's drastic. That's a big chunk out of your, out of your, your, your program. And then with, with, with Texas, they already have their guys in place. If you, they're going to always look for a Trill Carter. They're yeah. always going to look for a Gavin Holmes. They're always going to take and look for a AD Mitchell. And so I think those are going to be like sweet spots, so to speak, at least with this regime, with this staff, the direction you kind of look right now, because they also want to build through recruiting. They understand you've got to get those. If you get those five stars early, they can make an impact. If you can get the Arch Mannings and those guys, you can take this a lot higher than it's been in a long time. Sark understands that journey. He's like, I think he has an NFL roster-like type um, mentality when it comes to that. Make sure you're churning the bottom of the roster. Uh, and at the end of the day, you're right. I, I don't know if it's ever going to be six spots, um, but, but then again, you've always got the random specialist like a Ryan Sanborn that's coming in. Or, yeah. And so you have to account for those. There's always the outlier, <laughs> but there's always going to be, like you said, three, four, possibly five spots down there where Sark has said, okay, let's see who has been an all big 10 defensive tackle that wants to be a backup. Let's see who's been an all ACC honorable mention DB who doesn't mind being a backup and move forward. Yep. Nailed it. Hey, what's the current state in East Texas right now in 2024, is this a strong class? Are they a little bit down? Uh, I know Taylor Tatum is sort of one of the headliners, you know, number one rated running back in Texas. Apparently, you were telling me, because I, I think I mentioned this guy to you a long a while back, or maybe you brought him up to me. I can't remember, but I was, I was looking at him. He's a Longview player. He's a, apparently a good student, good kid, very good baseball prospect. Is he going to play college football? Or do you think he's going to ultimately just sign if he gets a, a good enough offer? You asked the question that there, the, the, we thought we knew at some stage in this recruitment was going to have to be the question. Yeah. And I think pre-spring and summer ball, that question wasn't going to be asked just yet. He was always going to be this prospect. He's always played upper level uh, select ball. He's helped this, this season. He helped Longview to like one of the longest playoff runs, I think three, four rounds deep they've had in history. And so it, it, Taylor had an incredible season that way. And he extended that into summer ball and did a lot of stuff, uh, some USA stuff. And so now that is the, that's the question. It, and, you know, Taylor, I've known him for so long. He's such a good kid. 
Like he is from Carthage. He grew up playing baseball because no matter how many state titles, Carthage was born on baseball. Now football, obviously, is king. He grew up watching Keontae Ingram. That's why he wants to play running back. He, he likes that patience type style. Um, his dad was a running back over at Carthage. They came to Longview. He's not an early enrollee just because he will play his senior season in baseball. It's the, I think that's the way the family dynamic is. It's very baseball driven. Hmm. He's always known. Football can get you the, you know, the full scholarship. He, he's very aware of football can get you, you know, you, you don't have to struggle like you might if you're playing college baseball. He understands that uh, Texas fully embraced him playing baseball. You know, he met with David Pierce when he came in for when, when he took his uh, came for junior day. I want to say the late January version in, in earlier in 2023. Um and him and, you know, him and Tashar Choice hit it off. Uh, Choice just had a couple running backs a little bit higher, I believe, on, on, on his board. And so Choice and, and him and, uh, you know, him and Tatum had a great relationship. And it was kind of a mutual, hey, you go pick the best place you can go. Oklahoma is going to be that place. Base, playing baseball is, is going to be part of it. But now I've got too many people telling me this kid is, is he's not getting past the 10th round. And he's creeping around the, the fifth, the seventh round simply because he is a middle infielder athlete. He's probably ideally a center fielder, but he's got second base potential. Um, he's got an incredible swing. Great, great bat. Just real fluid motion. Elbow is constantly in the A. It's very polished. I actually had a, a scout who's uh, coaching at Corsicana whenever T uh, Longview came through for a playoff. And another guy that actually used to coach for the University of Texas, he's doing some stuff with five tool baseball now. And they both said he looks like a young Kirby Puckett. He, mm -hmm. He's got the same body, same frame, same size, and same athleticism, quickness, fast. And he's if, if, if his stock keeps rising – my prediction will, and I, I said this before, and I'm, I'm going to stick with it. He'll never see a college football field. Okay. That's interesting. Hey, so East Texas more broadly, it looks like a good group of talent in 2024. Um, Texas did get Aaron Hampton, who's very talented guy, Dangerfield. Uh, but it seems like we were not even in some of these East Texas key recruitments. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, Terry Bussey, I guess we're in it, but probably tra probably trailing. I'm talking about uh, the kid from Lindale, Casey Poe, that Al yes. you know, Alabama's got. Silsby, Draylon Miller, right? Uh, Melissa, Texas, Nigel Smith. Uh, there's a kid in Beaumont who's – I've watched this film. He's a very good tackle, uh, very athletic in, in Weston Davis. Uh, and so on and so on. You know these guys better than I know them. Um What's up? Is this just a, a cycle thing? Is it Texas wasn't necessarily sold on some of these dudes? They weren't sold on Texas. It just seems like some of these recruitments were over to A&M, Florida, Bama before they even started. Am I wrong? It's it's it, it, I, I think it's an anomaly. I really do. I don't think this is normal. I, I think this is different because. Yeah, like you've seen Taylor Tatum rated as the number one running back. Casey Pose rated as the number one um, interior uh, offensive lineman in the country. And, you know, he's going to go play at Alabama. And you would think he, that's not good enough for, for Texas because, I, you know, to, to not make it any worse, I know Casey really well, and he grew up a Texas Longhorn fan. 
And an interesting how flood would have changed the dynamic instantly. I'm not saying that would have won him over. I'm telling you, Texas would have been in the top two, three from start to finish. Huh. Um, and so I don't under, quite understand that. Um, but you can't question Kyle Flood. You understand, you, you gotta, you know, he's he's been tremendous at building these offensive linemen the way he has so far at Texas, and, and you gotta give him the benefit of the doubt. Same with Weston Davis. That guy's got so much natural athleticism, kind of nastiness that that can really be molded as a, as a tackle with those feet. Maybe a little, you know, a, a kind of a bigger version of a, of a Devon Campbell. But those are good. Those are good players. But you know, right now they know who they want. Uh, and, and the last two O line classes really limit this. I feel like they really fell in love with Daniel Cruz. So it's one of those. I also feel like it's one of those. Okay, that's the one we really, really are sure of. That's the safest evaluation. The rest of them, let's kind of make sure. I think that's why you didn't see a Nate Kibble jump in as soon, you know, when he did. I think that's why it took a little bit longer. Um, I think there's a handful of other guys kind of like that as well. And I think that's another position where Al Flood, they're in for it. They're in it with a Brandon Baker, the number one tackle in the United States, the kid out of modern day uh, out in Santa Ana, California. They're in it. Um, but guess what? Um, that, you know, beating Alabama would really put uh, a jolt into that recruitment because Ohio State and Oregon are in it too. And, and Texas is trying to establish that pipeline and, and it's, 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 in, it's being built. It's ha- that is definitely being built from Spencer Shannon to Brady Sarkeesian to recruiting Brandon Baker to recruiting DeAndre Carter to building great relationships already with a Jordan Davison in 2025 and a Marcus Harris, the wide receiver from 2025. You know, they're, they're establishing that, but they still have to, um, with O-line, they're going to be a little more, they're going to hang on to a couple spots just to see how the season shakes out. And because Baker's timeline, these these five-stars, take, they, they commit when they want to. And so I think that has something to do with it as well. Hmm. Is there uh, an underappreciated player in East Texas who's interested in Texas or not? Just a guy who's going to end up on a roster somewhere and ball out. Uh, East Texas yeah. always has these dudes who are sort of fly under the radar. They, they blow up their senior year. And then, you know, that's also another reason, by the way, to hold on to a scholarship or two. But is, who do you like? A couple of guys. Give me a name or two. Hedron Young, running back from Lufkin, 2024. Okay. Uh, Texas offered him back in, I believe, early January, February, sometime maybe early earlier this year. Uh, Tashar Choice was very interested. He came through uh, on a visit uh, during one of their tours and, and, and really liked him. About 5'11", uh, 210, 215 pounds, really a bit, uh, an old school between the tackles, but also, uh, you know, a 10'6", 10'7", guy on the track, you know, really impressive species uh, at running back who got a ton of offers. Texas really got his attention. Texas A&M really had his attention. And then, like I said, Coach Choice, I think, went – they, they prioritized the guys that they got, the Christian Clark, the Jared Gibson, the guys they'd had a long-term, long-term relationships with. They're only going to take two per cycle. I don't think you'll ever see a choice do, do more than that in, in this regard. And so it's one of those you're going to miss on a guy because, well, he just didn't – he wasn't as high up on, on somebody else's list. Well, Notre Dame pounced on him, and that's why he committed, and that's why he'll be up there. Uh, he'll be an early enrollee as well. Um, and I'm telling you, I think people have missed the ball on this kid. He reminds me he's a more athletic Keandre Miller. 
the running back at TCU last year that just got drafted. He played at Mount Enterprise, which is one of the, at one of the smallest 2A schools in East Texas. Um, Young's faster, and they got the same build. And so I hmm. think that's one. And I'm a big Christian Clark, Jarrett Gibson guy, no question. But that's one that's um, going to go – people will question that one five, six, seven years from now. Um, trying to think if there's anybody – well, while you're doing, let me just interject. I, that's a great, I looked him up as you were talking about him. I was like, whoa, I, I like this guy's specs. And he obviously has the grades if he's going to Notre Dame and he's an early enrollee. Uh, I, I feel a little better about missing on those guys when I like the two backs that we have, right? Where, yes. I, really, where I really feel the losses are you know you've got a need, and there was a dude in East Texas that could have filled the need because I like East Texas guys in general. Like a Ty Anthony Smith. There you go. <laughs> so what's up with Ty Anthony? I think Texas looked out uh, great. I think him and Choate still have a great relationship. I think Texas is going to continue to recruit him. Sark has showed a penchant to do that. Um, I think what's going to happen there is you're just going to have to have contingencies. You're just going to have to make sure that 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 spot's filled up, that that you don't neglect it, so to speak. And so, um, Ty Anthony, just A and M was it. It went back and forth for a while. USC w- was actually a favorite there for a while. He he, I, I think this he got close to a couple of the recruits in that class, and I think they started kind of building around each other. I feel like Terry Bussey. It's pretty close to a commitment to, to Texas A&M. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in the next 48 hours, 72 hours. They're all kind of close in proximity, being from East Texas. They all kind of same region. They're bond a little bit. Draylon Miller, another example out of out of uh, Jasper, or is him, or he's Silsby. I got those two mixed up with Draylon. I apologize. He's a good athlete. Um, but Silsby. The, Silsby. But at the end of the day, that's, that's, I think, kind of where you're seeing with Ty Anthony in particular. With Casey Poe, it was Alabama really wanted me. Nick Saban put in the effort. You know, you can't turn that down. Uh, Jalen Hell, I think it was the long-term relationship with Holloman Wiggins. I think it was Nolan Wiggins, and, and I think there was a tinge of NIL that was a little bit more in favor of Alabama than what Texas may have done. And so to each one, they have their own story. They have their own circumstance. It's, it's always unique. How, how these things how these these things happen I was at a Texas X's I spoke a keynote at a, um, Texas X's event scholarship dinner a couple of weeks ago uh, with Bo Trahan and he's the new head football coach at Tyler Legacy here now and so I've got to and he's also a close friend of, of my brother and so we've gotten a little I've gotten to know him really well and he is just outstanding stories we, you you got to get this guy on, on your podcast he is just like us, uh, good old boy. Uh, we'll tell you about the time he's played quarterback, you know, in the Vinchung, you being there and everything. He's great. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the cycles always change. I think you you sometimes get your Keaton Crawfords and your Jaron Thompsons and your DeMarvion Overshones. And then there's a cycle or two where you miss on your Jalen, your Jalen Hill, you miss on your Jamarian Miller. Uh, you, you you miss on a uh, Landon Jackson, and so Texas likes they're in they're in it pretty well on some of these twenty twenty fives early, which I think is important. You know, uh, but at the end of the day, I I just think it's not the normal; it's an anomaly. I think it just kind of cycles. Good, that makes me feel better because I I like injecting East Texas guys 
into the program, not only for talent reasons, but they have a certain profile that, that just, I think you need a portion of that on your football team and guys who are sort of all about ball and they're kind of raw and you can build them up. If you believe you can coach the game, these are guys that you want. And I think they're sec type players, you know, for lack of a better uh, descriptive. It's, I think it's a lot of that region. I think there's a lot of similarities in those athletes in South Texas, in East Texas, Southeast Texas, South Louisiana, uh, middle, you know, mid South Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, all those, you know, there's, there's, there's a connection there. And, and they're just, they're, they're, they work hard. They really are. They, they feel like they are climbing out of the swamp. They're climbing out of the mud and that's a motivation. That's a chip on their shoulder. And athletically, they're just, they're getting there. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And if you can find a few of them that have a really good head on their shoulders, you find a few of them that have that real drive. That's when you find your guys like your Patrick Mahomes, you know, that's when your guys like an Adrian Peterson, that's when it's just like, okay, now I understand why people come to this area. Yeah. And honestly, it's, um, it's one of the last places in the state of Texas that values football where you could still find a guy who hasn't really touched the weight room <laughs> until, until like his senior year of high school. Right. Or he's playing five sports, right. He does track basketball, football, and, you know, freaking James Washington played tennis. He was like an all state tennis player at his, what is one, a school two a school. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing too. You know what college coaches want to know about when it comes to recruiting players and not so much on the Intel side, you know what they want to know? What are they running track? Yeah. That's the most asked question I've had in the last five or six, seven years in this industry. In Cause this it's very, it's verifiable. It, it's not just that it's you're still competing. Uh, got it. Hey, you're not sitting on the couch in, in the, because a lot of kids think after football, they can just either play basketball or they're just going to chill. They can sit on the couch after school and, and not have to worry about football till the summertime when the, you know, the voluntary workouts work start hoping. And obviously there's spring ball now. So it's a lot more than it used to be, but that's a big factor. They want to know, are you competing? And if you don't run track, you have to have a reason or you need to have one. It's that important. Yep. It, it, but, but they do, they have to, they play all the sports and that's where you see some of the fun guys that that's where you see some of the special creativeness because it's, um, uh, yeah, there's, it's, it's almost like when you see kids playing in Florida, you know, a lot of times you think, well, what's the, the classification? I know they're athletes on the other side of the ball. I know there's some level of speed. There's talent here and there's that chip on their shoulder. They carry that ball. It's, it's, they carry it year after and generation after generation. It's passed down. Son, I want you to take my chip. I don't have any money. I don't have any land to give you, but here's the wood chip. Put it on your shoulder, protect it. Get us to the promised land. That's right. All right, man. Hey, that's awesome. I really appreciate your insights on that because I'm always curious about the dynamics out there. And I just, like I said, I'm in love with the region athletically and the, the, like you said, it's the guys with the right head on their shoulders. Right. And there's a self-selection process to it. Right. The, the guys that aren't going to pan typically start to show that by their junior year, sophomore year, you know, yeah. for reasons not related not to their sooner. athleticism. Yeah. Probably sooner, probably eighth grade. Right. 
But then the guys who fight through and make it through, there's something to them that is a little tougher, a little more rugged that you want to inject into your program. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Any, I, anytime I can eat the, get the East Texas scoop from you, I'm happy. And I feel a little reassured because I, I was really monitoring that and kind of looking that about how many of these East Texas guys, because it looked like a good 2024 class. They were just off the board, like early. And it didn't even seem like Texas had a shot. And, um, you know, we, we, we did get Hampton. Um, and we'll see how he pans. Ball in his hands. I freaking love that dude. He's got unique skills. Uh, but we'll see. You know, it's a matter of keeping him focused. And, and you know, maybe sometimes the, some of these guys benefit from getting away from their boys, right? Sometimes it's the only way. It's the only way. Yeah, I'm trying to be diplomatic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're right. Hampton with the ball in his hands is electric. And, and, and I think that's why Texas has taken, you know, he, he regretted the decommitment ball that, that really ate at him. And so I, I think when he did, you know, want to come back, he, he, he still had a great relationship with Blake Gideon. And that's why I think I wouldn't be, that's why I don't, you know, it's not just receiver. Like they're, they're kind of putting in more of an athlete category. Now there's, there's a chance he's on the defensive side in the secondary uh, when he, when he arrives. And so, uh, you know, him and Gideon have gotten really close, but you're right. Like you get him lined up in the right direction and he can flourish. He can absolutely do spectacular things. Uh, and that's, that, that's a big, that's a big thing. You're going to get some of those East Texas kids, you know, they do. They always will. It just, it just sometimes takes different cycles. You know, Pleasant Grove has uh, Lance Jackson, six foot, five and a half, 245 pound, you know, at, on three, uh, four-star edge. Uh, older brother went to, to LSU, uh, then transferred to, to Arkansas. And, and now he's the starter. He's a captain on the Arkansas's defense going into. Oh, wait, this is, this is Landon Jackson. Yes. Okay. His little, uh, his little brother is special. And not just that, this is a kid throwing in the low 90s uh, on the mound until he had a, a surgery, had an, an issue with the labrum and shoulder. And, or, and, and so now he actually um, is focusing only on football. And PK, Coach P Kwiatkowski, calls him on a regular basis. They talk because they say, where do you want to play, tied in or edge? And he said, where do you think, who goes first in the draft? Who goes, who's the more important player, the defensive end or the, the tight end? And so, Texas is in on some of these guys. KJ Edwards, they offered him early, great early evaluation, 2026 running back out of Carthage. He'll be, you know, he's going to be getting the handoffs from Jet Surratt, Scott Surratt's son, uh, who's a sophomore as well. They're in the same class. KJ Edwards ran a 10-5 last year in the 100 as a freshman. Uh, he, and he's kind of, he's got already, he's got already a, a Keaton Crawford type developed body coming up. Like he's, and he's, and he's already humble. And so, they might miss on a few, but man, they, they've, they've got a good foundation on a handful of these other guys. And I think that's just going to be how, how you see it play out over the years. All right. You talked me off the ledge. I, I feel good. All right. I'm, I'm convinced now. Uh, all right, man. Last time I did a pod and I'm going to be doing this with a bunch of folks. I let Joe cook accountable. Joe cook is what we're calling him now because of his high levels of accountability. Are you, are you familiar with the accountability meme on Joe Cook on Inside yeah. Texas? Okay. I, I, yes, of course, of course. All right. Uh, it's, 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 it was, it was, it was, yes. 
I, I feel like he's stepping up. He's challenging more coaches. He's yelling at Sarkeesian in press conferences. I feel like this is this is the Joe that the board wants, right? Accountable Joe. So the board, um, this is the Joe the board needs. This is the this is the Joe that we all need, Justin. This is our dark night. So he picked TCU and we went through their schedule game by game. And it was actually really fun. It was instructive because it 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 revealed the degree to which sometimes how schedules fall and styles make fights and all these other things. And it, and it kind of got out some, some thoughts about the, the opponents and how things match up and stuff like that. So before the pod, I challenged you to pick a team and you said you want to do the Texas tech red Raiders. Is that correct? I think that's who we're going to do. All right. I think, I think that's, you know, Joey McGuire has been talking a lot. Yeah. That's what he does. He wants to, it's like, he's the DFW version of Jeff trailer. Yes. He's, he's a, he's a salesman. He's a talker. He just doesn't want to be invited to your wedding. He's going to officiate that dang thing. When the bride gets up and gives her heartfelt tear talk of about her, her friendship and her mom and what it meant to her when her bridesmaid fought through her cancer, he's going to jump up and take the mic out of her hand and then, Start telling her story for her, right? Kanye West style. <laughs> yes. Taylor Swift. Yes. Hey, you know what? I'll tell you this about Joey McGuire. We catch a lot of uh, strays from Joey. Actually, not strays. They're directed. They're sniper shots. <laughs> yeah, but say, but you know what? For the, he's doing for Texas Tech. He's doing exactly what he should be doing. And I don't begrudge him that. Now, I still want to kick the shit out of Texas Tech uh, at the end of the year. Get but you nailed it. I, when, when they hired him, Justin, I don't know if you uh, remember this, but in my preview, 2022 preview, I said, this is a great hire. Uh, Texas Tech hired their Jeff trailer. That's, that's what Joe McGuire is. And the reason I said that, not just because of the red ass motivation stuff and all that and getting guys to believe, I saw his hires, Justin. Oh, yeah. And those are smart hires. Young analytics-based guys and then an old salt dude who doesn't fall into like being the old salt in, uh, in their defensive coordinator, right? Uh, a guy who has coached a lot of football, been a lot of places, plays very unconventionally. And I, I just loved his hires. And then when I saw how they played, of course, I'm talking about Tim DeRuiter, uh, for those of you who don't right. know. Um, and then when I saw how they played, where they literally stole games on fourth down that they didn't, they didn't have any right to earn or win other than frankly out coaching the other coach by having these asymmetrical strategies on fourth down. <laughs> uh, if you, if you're a nerd, Bill Connolly ran a, a nerd analysis where basically he said, Texas tech had the highest number of wins above expectation because of how they played fourth down. Basically, they won two games they shouldn't have won. And I can tell you the two games, and one of them is Texas. So no how many how many fourth downs did they convert? Wasn't it like six eight, of eight? Nine, eight? Eight of nine or something? They were, they were six of eight, Justin. Six of eight. And, and yeah. I want to say four of them obviously are in the second half or whatever. Or the yeah, well, and, and the thing with fourth down conversions is if the other team goes 0-2 on their first two, they don't try six more, right? Hey, Jaron Thompson, 107 snaps. It's, 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 that's cruel. Yeah. Well, that was the strategy. And, and so what's interesting now, Justin is Texas tech 
talking about the portal, let me rattle off real quick of who they added through the portal. Uh, this team, by the way, has 18 super seniors, six-year seniors. That's the most in college football. And then they added Dre McCray from Austin P. He's actually, he was a star uh, wide receiver at Austin P. Yes. I think he'll be, I think he'll be a solid FBS player. Rusty Stats from Western Kentucky. How about that name, man? Uh, I think in my preview, I said Rusty Stats is what happens when you leave a German calculator out in the rain. Uh, stats is spelled with two A's, by the way. Uh, they added a guy, Quincy Ledette from ULM. I don't know anything about him. Steve Linton, dude from Syracuse. They're going to start him at edge, Justin. He played a lot at Syracuse. They played him at 215 pounds on the edge. He's 6'5". Uh, and did not I like the length out there. They, they like the on the interior defensive line. Those they, guys, Bradford and, and, and those guys, they're long. So Tech was able to put 25 pounds on them. So yeah. it turns out if you make a guy eat, uh, he'll put on weight. I uh, saw Bradford at the Big 12 media days in person. Tony Bradford? Yeah. He's about 5'11", though, right? No, he's huge. Uh, well, I mean, I, I know he's huge, but he's short, right? Yeah, well, yeah. He, but yeah, he's he's more of a wider guy. Yeah, and then they added Hutchins, Hutchins has has some size. They added CJ Baskerville from San Diego State. CJ will probably be starting for them in their secondary. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Point being, they added a few people from the transfer portal. This was not a complete reload remake like they had to do last year, trying to to inject that roster with some new life. Uh, that's what Joe McGuire's task was doing. Now he's trying to refine what he's got. He's got a bunch of seniors, Justin. It's crazy how many seniors Texas Tech is going to start. Uh, and I think this is the most experienced team in the Big 12. They got a ton of guys who are redshirt seniors. They've got a, a ton of guys with starting experience. Uh, the question is, do they have the talent? And they by no means have an easy schedule. So you want to go through game by game and talk about the Red Raiders? Hell yeah, I do. All right, let's do it. I so, some of those. Hey, there's some East Texas flavor on this Texas Tech roster. I didn't know uh, Southwest flights flew that direction. Only, only, only one way. All right. For some reason they, they don't let them come back. <laughs> All right. So we got their opening. This is weird. They're opening at Wyoming on September 2nd. I don't know why Tech is doing a home and home with the Wyoming Cowboys. I guess we did one way back in the day, but 2009. Uh, that's right. Uh, they get to go up to you know the, the they have they have the highest altitude in all of college football. Laramie, I didn't know that. Seventy two hundred Rock Springs for work before, and so really, I, yeah. So I've been through there, but I and I knew the altitude of the altitude, but I, I didn't. I wasn't aware it was numero uno. Seventy two hundred feet. What's the altitude in Tyler? I don't know. Nine feet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good. I, you know, I don't know that. I don't know. I, I live at 6,000 feet. I was about to say, it's more relevant for you. That's true. <laughs> it, it, it does make a difference. Me, man. We, we don't measure it in feet as, as much as we measure it in, in humidity. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's, you might as well be under the ocean right now. All right, so they're going to Wyoming. Uh, I can tell you Wyoming lost a lot in the portal because I did the analysis on them. Since Texas gets to play Wyoming, everyone's going to want to do transitive property with Wyoming. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> Tech is traveling to Wyoming. Wyoming's traveling to us. Uh, I think this is 1-0. I think Tech wins this game. What do you think? Yeah. Um, 
the thing is that, that that's a that's a tricky scheduling because if you were to catch one of those Wyoming teams in the last few years that had a Josh Allen that had guys that actually produced and were good and you went up there for say a night game and you yeah. don't understand, maybe you're not prepared for the cold weather that can kind of creep up on you up there really quickly or the altitude like you talked about that's one of those games where you get the home and home you make sure you get them when they come back you're helping them out so to speak but get them early don't don't ever play them anywhere between october november you know december of that sort because you're asking for trouble it's not that they're going to have more talent you're just the elements there's so many data points that can go haywire pretty quickly um but i i think tech tech is going to be so amped up Tyler is going to be slinging the ball around the field. Taj Brooks is going to try to run over people. Bryson Donnell is going to try to round, you know, run around people. And, and they're going to have fun going up there in that win. I agree. And they're going to play fast. And they're going to run a lot of plays like Zach Kitley wants. Um, Tyler Shuck is healthy. Eight and one as a Red Raider starter in any game he finishes. Uh, he doesn't always finish the game, though, Justin. That's been part not, of the problem. I'm not, I'm not sold. We're going to find out because they've got Baron Morton waiting in the wings. Donovan Smith is going to be the, the, the quarterback at Houston now. So, yeah, right. Uh, you know, and they, they encourage that transfer from what I understand. All right. Yeah, we'll quarterback next, that in, you know. Next week, talk about you're not sure what's in it for the, uh, the team. And we're saying, hey, why would Tech want to trans- travel to Wyoming? Why does Oregon want to travel to Tech? What the hell are you doing flying from Eugene to Lubbock, right? You got like – three connections you're you're doing all sorts of stuff but i think it's going to be a great game september 9th it's going to be a night game in lubbock now this is a test for tech on many levels it's a test for tech fans can they get up and can they get buck wild for teams other than the university of texas or texas a&m i think the answer is yes i think they understand the importance of this game as a statement game that said oregon's going to come in they're going to have some talent uh, they got Bo Nix at quarterback. Dr. Uh, Bo. Dr. Bo. <laughs> at the college level, that dude's a handful. And <laughs> he's uh, he's going to run around until he finds an open receiver. And uh, he, he, uh, Dr. Bo could make one re- – he could make one uh, diagnosis, and that is run the ball or throw it real hard down the field. So what do we think about this game? I think it's going to be very competitive. I, I think if Oregon is favored at all, in any significant way, I think you should take tech in the points. I think Oregon is going to eke out this game by like a point, Justin, what do you think? You know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, as we're thinking about it, I'm trying to remember, you know, kind of who Oregon has coming back and, and like, you know, beside, you know, Knicks and, and, you know, they have a pretty good offensive line. Cristobal didn't, you know, they left it pretty, he left it kind of nice in that regard. And so they, and, and they're good up the middle on defense. And so, and they also hit the portal. They also recruit in Texas for, you know, every single cycle. Yeah. You know, they recruit in East Texas now. These, they've offered 2025 and 2026 kids already. And that's also because they have, they've hired a lot of guys. This offseason, they brought in offensive coordinator Will Stein, who was the offensive coordinator at UTSA with Jeff Trailer over the last few years. He was a GA at Texas under Charlie Strong, 2015, 2016, played quarterback at Louisville for Charlie Strong and those guys. And so now they're coming down and, and, and they're kind of getting back into Texas recruiting. And I think this is a chance for Oregon to come down and let kids in Texas kind of see that, so to speak. I know um, it sounds good, but right now, 
it at night. I think Tech might just it, it it'll be a big play type game because yep. Oregon's got you know got kind of big play. That's kind of what they do on the road. You know they 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 did the whole thing with Georgia, and that just really backfired. Yeah, so, <laughs> just a so I think I think they looked up some you know, they they did the numbers and they looked and and it just ha- happened to be another red and black team. But <laughs> like, hey, don't do that. And how about try that? Yeah, if it's analytics. Yeah, I, I algorithms. I think Tech might have a guy who would start for Georgia, like singular. Maybe no. none. Maybe none. <laughs> so, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that uh, Oregon's bitten off a little bit more. I, I think they've bitten off enough that they can chew, but I think it's gonna be a tough swallow for them. I still like them. I need a prediction. I like Tech. Be- like All right, so we got Tech at 2-0, Justin Wells. And when they beat Oregon, they're going to use – you're going to see that. They, that's going to fuel social media, and you're going to see a, a, even more of a buildup. No doubt. All right, well, the next week, buzzsaw, Tarleton State. Whoo, man. Do you know Tarleton State's mascot, Justin? Don't Google it. Uh, Texans, right? Is it? You don't sound confident. I thought it was the Texans. Our main, our man, Eddie Jones, former defensive end at the University of Texas, Kilgore High School alum. He's defensive coordinator there. It, they are the Texans. They're officially the Texan writer. And the women's teams are known as the Tex-Ans, as in Ann, the female I, name. That's interesting. There you go. Uh, the Texas Tech's going to kick the shit out of them, and shame on them for scheduling that. Morton will get the snaps in the second half. Bryson Donnell will go for over 100 yards for the first time in his career. Bryson Donnell is the tailback people need to pay attention to at Texas Tech. I know Taj Brooks, the Mainer native, he's, he's like a bowling ball with knives, but Donnell is fast. Donnell was the second best player in East Texas in his class last year with Jamari and Miller. They were teammates at Legacy. Donnell is a, is a, is, is, is a completely big, ready college back. I was going to say, unless I'm mistaken, he's actually a big dude for his speed. He's yes. like 220, 215, jacked up. Yeah, ran track, ran relays. Um, him and Miller were, were something else, and they played a lot of receiver, and that guy could run routes. Ooh, well, that's interesting. I'm going to follow that away. I'll tell you what, man, you can, you can throw a rock and still find good running backs in the state of Texas. That, that I, I, absolutely. I feel the same way about receivers. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's dime a dozen almost. It's, it's crazy. All right, they get a nice little uh, respite here. In fact, they get a nice little run here where they can do some prep and, uh, frankly, try some different stuff. They're going to travel to West Virginia. Typically, Justin, going to Lubbock to West Virginia, historically, that's an L for Texas Tech. Unfortunately, uh, if any of you have read my preview, you understand what's going on at West Virginia right now. Uh, this, this is one of the least talented two or three rosters on the big 12 now. And I think Texas tech is still going to go into Morgantown and get a, get a W. What do you think? I think Neil Brown, this is his, his probably his final year. I yep. think, you know, I think he knows it. Uh, you know, when your approach at big 12 media days is, is automatic defensive being defensive because you were picked last by the media uh, to, to finish in the, in the conference and, and you want to defend your guys. You yep. want to do that, but it's just not that talented, and which is 
You know, they've got actually some some guys on the offensive line. They've always had a, a, a decent amount of, of defensive linemen and, and, and you know linebacker types. Um, but it's like you said, there's there, there's they don't have those athletes they used to get from Florida. They don't have those JUCO kids like they the, the, that were random you know athletes that, that were really explosive and, and were there. And plus, you know, West Virginia to me is one of my favorite places to travel in, in the Big Twelve. The, the stadium is always fun. The fans are always great. I've never, it's like BYOB in that place. I've never seen so much Zima in my life. <laughs> but it doesn't take away from the fact that Neil Brown, he's still trying to figure out the right thing. I, I, I think there's indecision at a lot of positions for, for that for that team right now. They get them early, though. They get them early. And I think that gives, I think that and it being on the road, that's going to be more of an indicator of how close or how far. I don't think it's Texas Tech by two touchdowns. I think it's maybe like six points, but I do think it's Tech. I like that instinct, Justin. I actually think on paper, particularly because you've got Tech coming into this game riding high, I think you're going to have an inflated line, and you could have West Virginia choose, like, this is the one game we're going to try to see if we can salvage a season for ourselves. It's still early. And they still early the guys and and that's the, that's a realism about college athletes. People need to understand they're just like quit. Yeah. They quit just like anybody else. Yep. All right. So we think tech still handles business and I agree with you. West Virginia is beautiful. And I really like the people. Uh, I like the drive from Pittsburgh to, to West Virginia. Yeah. The scenery improves considerably as, as you get out of the the industrial parts of Pitt. Um, Houston travels to Lubbock. This game went to overtime last year, Justin. 33-30, the Red Raiders barely edged this out. Uh, I think Houston's going to be a bad team. You know, Spoiler alert, now y'all don't have to buy my preview, but I don't think Houston's going to be very good. I don't think they're well-prepared. Uh, Tech's not exactly like a, uh, Alabama. So with the right matchups, Houston does have a great receiver core. Uh, Donovan Smith is going to want some revenge in Lubbock. Can Houston turn this into a, a big high scoring game and then maybe steal a win in Lubbock? Or are we, we thinking tech does what they should do? I it's weird because at this stage, I would feel like tech is getting more confident and they're kind of finding their niche and they're, 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 they're calling plays that set up plays two or three times, you know, two or three weeks down the road at this stage. Mm-hmm. And so you would think they may overlook it. But you can't because Dana Holgerson in Texas Tech, there is there's a there's a battle there. Uh, there there's some guys on these sides. They're not friendly. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of pass. I think there's some even coaches pass that have crossed over a few times. And so um, and plus the problem for Houston is, like you said, there's some receivers there. There's some that, that, and they did pretty well in the transfer portal this cycle, if I remember correctly. They did. A, they 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 lost more than they won, unfortunately for Houston. Right. Uh, to me, Tank Dell is is their biggest one. That and, and Clayton Toon. Like Clayton Toon was the reason Holgerson. I think uh, they did anything. To be yeah. Quite, uh, to be quite honest, and so and Holgerson. I don't care what people say with him and his relationship with Tillman Fertitta. Holgerson's on a hot, the, one of the hottest seats in the country. Uh, most of the people, if not all, are, are pretty much checked out there. And so Dana is going to be desperate. And so that's it's going to be it's going to be real interesting to see how he maneuvers that. I think that favors Texas Tech. 
I think that's Dana taking too many chances. I think that's Dana trying to do too much. I think Joey will realize that because there's a closeness there. There's a relationship. And Joey will say, you know what? We actually have the hosses here. Let's not overthink this. Let's let them punch themselves in the face. And let's get the W and focus on the next big one. Agreed. All right. The next big one is Texas Tech loses their easy part of their schedule, or that little easy stretch. They travel to Baylor. Um. Uh, I'll caution folks who say, oh, Baylor's not going to be any good. Texas Tech, you know, is going to take it. They'll take care of them. Baylor played Tech last year and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> uh, and which probably did not make Joey McGuire very happy. Uh, no. Seeing, no. seeing Dave Aranda smiling across the sideline, uh, you know, running outside zone on them all day. So do we think Tech's going to go into Waco and get this? And continue. Are they going six and zero now, Justin? That's how you've got them. I've got them at four and one. Or do we think that this is going to be a, a potential upset? I'm worried about Baylor's quarterback. Yeah, you should that, be. That's, that's my big thing with Baylor. I think they have, outside of C.J. Baxter, I think they have maybe the most underrated or the young, 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 talented running back in the conference in, in Richard Reese. I think. Agreed. That dude is good. And so Baylor will bite you. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to play hard. I watched the Texas Baylor game uh, like a couple of weeks ago. It was on Longhorn Network real late. My son and I were up doing stuff with Legos. And so he kind of like he's at the age now where he'll pay attention to each play and ask, ask a ton of questions. Baylor played pretty well. I mean, that wasn't a game that Texas just like ran away with. Baylor plays well because Ronda hasn't prepared. They develop. Eric Mateos does a great job on the offensive line. There's a BYU vibe there with those big, big guys down there as well. Um, the problem is, I, I, I think Baylor's – they're not going to be as bad as they were last year, but I'm still worried about quarterback. And if you could start p- p- peeling, peeling your ears back and taking off for that guy, I think Baylor gets figured out. If they focus on Reese – Baylor's pretty one-dimensional, and I think Tech – I'm not sold on Texas Tech's defense, and that's why this 5-0 and crap worries me. Yeah. And I've never been. Even when Zach Thomas was there, it was not reassuring. Even when Bill Parcells was coaching there, it wasn't warm and fuzzy. It's, it's never been. And so I think somebody's going to bite them. And if it's anyone, it'll be Baylor and Richard Reese. But the quarterback spot, Aron, I really think Aranda and those guys should have gone – big game hunting in the portal. I know they went and looked, but that's that's that might cost him some years, man. Yeah, they did bring in Sawyer Robertson. Uh, from, from, from Mississippi State. From Mississippi State. Love it, love it Coronado. Big, big and, drink of water. Yeah, Michael. and shape, shape and beat him out. So, yeah, it's that, interesting. If I'm a Baylor fan, that does not make me feel good. All right, I'm going to pick the upset. It, it, that make, I get it. It's One, one of those games are going to happen. Well, and I, I'm just going to pick it here. You know, they're going to drop a game on the road to either Baylor, BYU, or Kansas looking ahead. So I'm just going to say it happens at Baylor. Okay. What do you think? What do you got? Yeah, no, I, I actually, I think, I, I, I think Tech pulls it out. I think Tech okay. wins it. I think they, they get this mojo. I think they get some momentum. And I, and I think they pull it out. But it's only because the quarterback situation, I'm just, I, I really think as good as Reese is, uh, if you focus on him, Baylor becomes pretty, pretty, 
below average. All right, you got you got the you got the Texas Tech Red Raiders at six and zero, oh, my man. I know, and that's probably going to put them about round number ten, number eleven, number yeah. twelve in the rankings. The hype is going to be um, as strong as the smell once you enter the city limits. <laughs> we so we did this exercise with uh, powerful Joe Cook and. TCU was six and zero at this point too, uh, and then they got a little. There's reality no way. Check. This this is where I tell you if you're doing any sort of betting, there's one of those that is not going to hit. Yeah, well that that's this, why I'm taking parlay. It's not going to cash. Yeah, that's that's why I'm taking Baylor as the upset. So it's, you're you're being rat. You're being realistic. You're playing then, the, the, the odd. You're playing the odds. I'm playing off of emotion. So starting with Baylor, Justin. Okay. Tech Tech plays seven games. Okay, starting with Baylor, starting in early October through the end of November, and every single one of those games is interesting. So the next week, Kansas State travels to Texas Tech. Kansas State has a dominant offensive line, five starters returning. They have much better running backs than the average person knows. Uh, DJ Giddens, Tershawn Ward, the Florida State transfer. Word. Will Howard uh, redefined himself last year as as we all thought we knew what Will Howard was, and now now he's a, he's a different dude. That's right, uh, running the ball, throwing throwing deep ball, YOLO balls. Uh, the Kansas State defense got wrecked a little bit. Uh, they're going to have to do a little bit of a rebuild. They lost those DBs. They lost their DBs. So we got the Wildcats going to Lubbock. What do we got? What's happening? Um, you know, I, I that that was the the mo that was the most common question I got at Big Twelve Media Days when I did uh, the radio row and some of the the podcasts. Who's going to finish second? Everybody kind of agreed Texas was the favorite. So, but the the question became who's going to finish second? Yep. And I I came down to to three schools. I, I said, and that's as good as I can do. And I said Texas Tech, just because I think they have the momentum. They've got the early schedule. I said. Uh, Kansas, because no one I'm telling people, Jalen Daniels, that team was good when Jalen Daniels was healthy. That was not a fluke. They were fighting teams. They were fighting for four quarters. They're not going to stop doing that this year. They lost that defensive line, but their Jalen Daniels is a could be a special guy in the Big 12 for the next few years. And so that's one I think people need to pay attention to. And the other one was Kansas State. If they can replace Deuce Vaughn's production and big playmaking ability, I, I was fortunate. I picked Climbing and those guys to win it last year because you could see the trajectory of the program. They were playing with a freaking fullback for Christ's sake. They they know they they don't really hit the portal that hard because they they're about development, and that's why a, a, a Cooper BB stays in Manhattan instead of going in the first or second round in the NFL draft. There's a good culture there, Paul. It's it's a good place. Um, and I think it, it, that's only going to be building on that's, – that, that's going to continue to build. I go back to quarterback, Will Howard. Um, if he's healthy and he's right, I think he's good enough. I think that, that's the guy that can, can can help them, you know, win a few games. Tech is Tech is not going 7-0. They're not doing it. And I feel like Tech will be the school. I mean, Kansas State will be the school that, like, beats them physically. I feel like that's going to be the one where they kind of come in maybe with a big head if they, for, you know, whatever reason, are 6-0, 5-1. They kind of come in a little, you know, a little too stoked. Every – ask every – ask, ask Texas football players over the last 10, 15 years, 
what's the toughest game every season you play? And my, I always thought the answer would be Oklahoma because it's such a dog fight. It's really a big war down there. It really is a fist fight. And they, most of them will tell you Kansas State. And I think that will have a direct effect in beat Tech. All right. So we got Tech at 6-1. and one. Uh, You persuaded me with that. I'm going to say 4-3. and three. And now Texas Tech goes to BYU. So I've already used up my upset credentials. I've already used up my upset currency. Yeah. And predicted that with Baylor. I'm going to say Texas Tech takes care of BYU, but I think BYU is fully capable of upsetting them at home. In Provo? In Provo. Listen, you're, you're dealing with grown men with families, <laughs> right? And with pride. You know, a 26 year old man is stronger than a 21 year old. It's just the way nature made it. And uh, any Texas fan can tell you when you go up there, uh, that's a different rodeo. And so if they get any sort of playmaking ability or athleticism in, on the offensive side of the ball, like dynamic quarterback, anything that kind of, can kind of move, keep defenses on their toes, they're always kind of a tough, a tough out. I don't see them having the Taysom Hill guy now. I don't see him having the Robbie Bosco, uh, the, those type guys. It's, it's you know, it, that to me. But then again, you got to be physical. I don't know how good this defense is going to be for Tech. And so Provo, Provo is going to be tough. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm probably – I would lean to BYU. All right. I just, I just feel like that's – that's yeah, I'm leaning to BYU. That's what I'm going is that your final? Oh, that's that's so that's BYU's your upset. Baylor's my upset, basically. Yes. So yes. now we're starting well, to converge. That game is gonna get, it's going to get physical, man. All right, and we're starting to come off the Kansas State game, which is going to be physical. Sorry. Yep, we're starting to converge now, Justin. I'm five and three. You're six and two, and then doesn't get any easier for the Red Raiders. They're going to host TCU. I think that's a, a super interesting matchup because I think TCU is going to be a defensive oriented team. Uh, in some respects, they're still going to play at a high pace and they're going to throw the ball around. Don't that's not changing, but they've got a good secondary. They've got good linebackers. If they can find a couple of D line, they'll play better defense than they played last year. The problem is their offense loses quite a bit. I still like Texas tech defending a home spot because I think this is a desperation game of, Hey, we've got to win here. If we're going to achieve any of our dreams of going to the big 12 title game. I think they're going to have a big crowd. I think they're going to rally up. And I'm taking the Red Raiders in this. Who you got? TCU is going to take some licks this year. Uh, I think reality. Second half of the year. I think reality is going to bite. And so I, I, I'm with you there, especially at home. I, I, I like Tech kind of rallying around that. Um, and there's a little animosity there, too, because they, they've played each other hard over the last few years. Uh, that, 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 and, and so, I, yeah, I, I got Texas Tech in Lubbock. All right. You brought him up. You talked about the offense. You talked about Jalen Daniels being a special dude. Texas Tech's got to go travel to Lawrence. They get a little bit of a break. They get nine days, and they're going to Kansas in November, buddy. The Kansas Jayhawks are hosting the Texas Tech Red Raiders. What's going down? I'm telling you, if Jalen Daniels is the guy, Kansas is going to be tough to beat. They're, 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 I'm not – there's still holes there. There's still, you know, a lack of depth that I think 
whenever you get Kansas really dictates what happens because last year, like I said, you, you saw the talent, but the guys started getting dinged up, getting bruised and they weren't the same team at the end of the season. And so that's what Lance Leopold's really trying to do is you got to build depth around those guys. Cause there is some talent. Daniel, yep. Jalen Daniels proved that last year. Um, yeah. You're not going to Lawrence. It, it's not doom and gloom, but if Jalen Daniels is the guy running the show, I, I'm picking Kansas. I, I think they're a better team, actually, with Jalen Daniels. I, I, I would give Tech the advantage, honestly. I think Daniels is the ex, is is the, the the equalizer when it comes to, to to that game. Are are you seeing this as a shootout played in the high 30s, low 40s? I could see it going higher than 40s. I think it's going to be a, a must. I think it's must watch television if you want to see some fireworks. I think it's yeah. I think it's going to be higher than that. I agree. Uh, I've got. Mm, so you're saying loss. I got Kansas. I'm going to say. I'm going to say Kansas too. 400 kids are going to storm the field. <laughs> they still don't get the, they still won't get that respect. They, they heard that there was an intramural basketball scrimmage across the other behind the football stadium. They're trying to They're gonna do, miss out. They're going to miss out because Leopold's doing kind of what people thought it could possibly do, but not really do. But how in the world did he really do it? Is this really happening? Yep. He's been doing that. And Daniels, it begins and ends with Daniels. You know what? I'm going to see those Iowa State late 90s teams with the Seneca Wallace. You know, the guy like, okay, you've got that guy and he's going to pretty much make everyone around him a little bit better and they're going to play a little bit harder. And that's that, but that's going to be the head of the snake, the heartbeat. That Jalen Daniels kind of reminds me of. I'm going to rescind my pick. A card lay is a card play. No, sir. No, sir. I did not, I did not make my bet. So in these Texas, we have rules. <laughs> Justin's very upset. I'm going to say, dang it. Do I, no, I don't want to say it. No, I'll say Listen, it. I'll, if, Daniels is, if Daniels is hurt, it's, it's, a win. it's tech. Yeah, there's no doubt. All right, so we're, we got tech at, I got tech at six and four. You got them at seven and three. We're starting to converge a little bit, continuing here after you had. More convergence. After you had Texas Tech as a, you know, the number, like a playoff team in the first six games of the year. All right. Culmination. UCF travels out to Lubbock. Justin, I told you all these last seven games are interesting. The reason I was being hesitant about Kansas upsetting them or, or beating them in Lawrence is I think UCF might beat them in Lubbock. Because think about Gus Malzahn, the type of offense he runs, yes. how he attacks defenses. Tech does – I mean, I say this with utmost respect to Tim DeRuyter, uh, DeRuyter he runs a lot of junk defenses and sometimes you have to when you don't have the horses oh yeah yeah i'm not this isn't a criticism no no absolutely and yeah. and we struggled with those junk defenses in the second half of the tech game absent xavier worthy yes. right yes however gus malzahn is very good at exploiting your little looks that you think you're going to run to screw up their running game and then he gets some a wide open play action shots right I think UCF is going to give Tech all they can handle and then some. I think Tech will be very lucky to win this game. What do you think? 
I, I'll tell you what, uh, you, you know what, you know, when you told me that the next seven games are interesting, I thought, you know, quite frankly, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he's gone, he's gone mad. He's mental. Um, but now the more I think about it, the more we talk about it, the more I think you're not as mental. Just, Justin has been watching BBC America. Well, and talking to my family, you know, <laughs> I've got half my family's from Liverpool. And so, um, you know, you're like, wait a minute, East Texas, Liverpool. Yes, it's smashing. Liverpool is the East Texas of, of the UK. It'd be strange if that was true. It, it is true. It'd be too easy. You got to love the Reds. Now, um, honestly, I, I, <laughs> I love John Rise Pumley. I think he's a great athlete. He's quarterback in Central Florida. He's the transfer from Ole Miss. He actually he plays baseball. Uh, he plays on the baseball team too. He's a great athlete. I think this is Malzahn has played big boy football. He at the Big Twelve Media Days, he was a little bit different than the other guys. Yeah, and I think it's because he'd done this before. You know? Yeah, and so um, to me that that's going to give them some advantages. Now, how much re- that remains to be seen. They've got a really it's, I mean, surprising fan base. The size. I believe someone told me they're the largest university in the state of Florida, which I just, uh, that was really surprising as well. Um, you know, they've got a great social media base, uh, you know, uh, thriving. So there's a lot going on there. And you got to watch them. And if I don't, I don't know if you remember, but Texas helped open that stadium. And I believe it was 2007 when they played Central Florida. Yeah, Central Florida Jamal. Jamal Charles had like 30 something carries in that game. Right. And that's when, that's when um, Central Florida UCF had uh, Kevin, uh, James, was it James? Kevin James, the tailback that wound up getting drafted by the Detroit Lions. Um, he was a really good running back, but um, you know, Texas actually helped open that stadium. Um, and so, which is kind of funny. I, I still think tech wins because yep. I, I, I think at that point, Tech's, Tech's going to have more of an identity. They're going to know more about what they are. And with Central Florida, at the same time, you know, if, if this is in Orlando, I, I, I probably lean the other way. But I know how the Big 12 is. There's so much parity. And on any given time, I'm going to go with the, the home team when, it's not, when, when the difference isn't that much. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Kansas or UCF is going to beat Tech. I'm not sure which of the two. And so that's, I'm saying Kansas. I told you who already. Uh, You said, you told me Kansas. I I, already told you. A card laid is a card played. I'm not picking it back up, Justin. I felt shamed when you shamed me like that. That was pretty better minutes. It's pretty mean. Uh, All right. We got the Texas Tech Red Raiders at eight and three with all their dreams and ambitions before them. I got them at seven and four. They're coming into Austin, Texas, T plus one. November 24th, evening game. We're going to have 103,000 at DKR for this, rocking. Texas is either sealed up or is going to go play for the Big 12 title in this game. Agreed? No question. All right. What happens, Justin? Go ahead and pick the Red Raiders, and I'm going to end the podcast. You know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. It'll be similar to what happened in 2021. It's going to be ugly. All right. I like it. You know, it's going to just get downright nasty. 
Uh, I think Texas players have taken it a little quietly, a little personal. It wasn't just at the, you know, after the game, the shots, you know, he was, Joey and the guys are taking them during the press conferences. They're taking them. You got the deputy commissioner of the big 12 taking backhanded shots at Texas. I think they're remembering all of this stuff. I think Texas has a lot of guys that have seen kind of both sides of where Texas is and where they are now and where they were going to be and where they're going. And I think tech is one. They're like, look, it's going to be the last time we play these guys for a long time. And I feel like eight and three is the best tech is going to be in 2023. I don't think they win another game after that game. I think Texas wins. Uh, and I, and I think it, it's going to be a pr- pretty, uh, pretty heavy game because it, there's a lot more at stake than the win and loss in that game. There there's, there's almost a look you're being a nuisance. And so let's, let's, let's get this final lesson in before we go and, and, and try new challenges. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'll just say this. If Texas doesn't show up for this game, there's a certain pridelessness to that that tells me something about this team and the direction we're going. If and I don't, think, see, I don't if think that's going to happen. Arkansas, if you yes. see pre-Arkansas and Fayetteville, that's the tale, in my opinion. Yes. And right. I don't think that – I think we've grown past that. I Absolutely. Think, Absolutely. I think there's going to be some pissed-off Texas players. Uh, the whole, I know there are. The whole – yeah, I know, I know you know. Uh, the whole post-game speech – that McGuire gave of, I told you they would break, you know, that was something that I hope they uh, play over and over in a loop. So. Sorry, th- those guys, no motivation. Yeah. And I think tech is going to go to an environment that uh, they have not seen in quite a while. I think tech would much rather have this game early in the year, like last year when it was the first big game in the big 12 conference, Texas getting them later at home, buddy. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be one of those spankings that you just don't forget. One hundred percent. That's how I feel as well. All right, we got the Texas Tech Red Raiders going eight and four on your end. I got them going seven and five, which actually surprised me. I think they could. You flip a coin, they'll go eight and four. Yeah, I mean, uh, but you you basically have them beating Oregon, right? And I say they're that's they're gonna the lose. difference to me. Yeah, I'm it's saying they're gonna lose to Oregon by a field goal or a point yeah. or something. Uh, it's funny. I see a lot of people and people have to get out of this sort of training. If tech beats Oregon, they're going to be like, Oh, that's really good for the conference. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Especially playing a team that you may have in your conference in two years. That's right. So um, yeah, we're going to have to get past that. All right. Well, that's the Texas tech red Raiders. Justin has them. Listen, that might winning. put them in the big 12 championship. We might have a rematch in Arlington. Yeah. And, buddy, I don't know how that would go. I know how the first meeting with Texas is going to go. You never – you throw out the books when it comes to the second one. Uh, that one would – and it may be similar to uh, Texas in, you know, Colorado 2005. Yeah, I hope that's the one. But at the end of the day, you, 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 you're you going to play Kansas State or you're going to be playing Kansas or you're going to be playing Texas Tech, I feel like, in that Big 12 championship. And then yeah. truth is, it's probably going to be somebody we're not even talking about. So, Justin, one thing we learned from the Joe Cook episode I was reminded of is TCU is playing is, – is going to Oklahoma that same week. I think those two games, Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma, it's going to have big implications for who is the, 
the, the participants in the big 12 title game uh, in Dallas. So yeah, like I said in my preview, I'd maybe, rather play uh, OU twice. If you're Texas, I'd rather play OU twice than tech chance tech to beat nothing, tech has nothing to lose and you have a natural inclination to get up for Oklahoma, no matter when you, where, when you play. And a chance to beat OU twice in the same season is always sweet. So oh, absolutely. absolutely. I will take it. Uh, that's it, man. Did, is there anything in this exercise that surprised you? At Texas Tech, it gets it gets real interesting that second six half of the season. Right? I, I, six of those surprised me. I, but, if I went back, we did this again, I'd probably change something. Well, you know what, Justin? Six what, of those hard. That's hard, Paul. People don't get that. That is hard. I don't care it, who they're playing. Six and zero is hard. It is, but it's how the schedule falls. Ole Miss right, started right. last year six and zero, right? You're right. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's it's. Who you play, when you play them, you have Tech beating Oregon. Every other game that you predicted, Tech will be favored. I promise you. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with what you did. Um, I just simply front-ended a couple of upsets, right? On uh, paper, and- Oregon should probably win that game. But I think people are – I think Oregon's not where they should be. Right? I'll tell you what, Justin. In early season betting in September, oh. I'm, I'm a genius – <laughs> because is I do this why, preview. Is that why thinking Texas football is mandatory buy and for every home. That's right. Have that. That's it, it should be in every hotel room like the Bible, like in you know the upper drawer, right? They they still do that in some hotels, don't they? Yes. I hope so. If you go they to do. Utah, they have the Book of Mormon along with the Bible. Do you know that? I you know, I, I think I knew that because I've I've been up there a handful of times. So I think I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you go to San Francisco, it's the anarchist cookbook. That's what they have instead of. Uh, all right. You, you can't take you can take the man out of San Francisco, but you can't take the San Francisco jokes out of the man. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, I promise you the last seven games for tech. We're going to be spicy and interesting. And every right. week, it's going to be a little bit of a dog fight for them. Uh, there's that's the thing that's interesting to me is tech. I'll saying this impartially they got a rough schedule draw um obviously the big 12 no longer a true round robin texas eh, you know got a a above average schedule in terms of who we drew we drew the best teams right yeah uh oklahoma Oklahoma state got a gift i mean a freaking gift in terms of who they face oklahoma doesn't play baylor they don't play texas tech they don't play uh freaking um kansas state I mean, those are three teams they went 0-3 against, right? Yeah. So Texas Tech plays everyone good. And they play them all sort of in a row. And they play uh, in in an order that I don't think is necessarily good for them. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing for Tech. They might be a better football team, Justin, this year. But they might have the same or even a worse record. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not buying it yet. I think Joey and those guys are setting a really good platform. Yeah. But I think like any other coach that goes out there and, and brings in energy and brings us some recruiting chops and, and hires some really good guys. And you, you got to see it through before, to, before it becomes real. You've got to, and to me, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the quarterback. I, I, I don't think that's the strength at all. Um, matter of fact, I think a running game is actually probably smarter in, in, for them. And, and, and they may lean on that. I, I think there's some guys there that, that can do that. But in, 
I think Joey's smart enough to know kind of who, who to push the chips forward with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I just, until I ever see a Texas Tech defense that doesn't give up 35 points per game ever, I, I'm always going to have that, well, that's six, five, six loss team year after year. And the thing about not having a D is you piss away those games. Really good out, offense. Yeah, and you come out and you're up 21, and then all of a sudden you can't close or finish. Um, Demoralizing on more than just getting the loss. I mean, as Texas Texas fans, we have some experience with this. So, yeah, I agree, man. All right. Well, hey, Justin, I can't thank you enough for this. This is awesome. I I thought we'd been talking for 45 minutes. I think we've been talking for over an an hour and a half. So it's been a pleasure. Anything we want to talk about? Anything we need to hit before we're out of here? Anything we need to talk about next time? I'm able to corral you. We need to talk about next time we need to talk about realignment. Amen. and how it's so cool from afar. Yeah, sitting in a, a comfortable recliner and, and not, uh, not scrambling for the chair. Yes. Yeah. We need to talk about, um, we need to talk about Texas and, 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 and this team in 2023 more. I, I think, I think this bunch is going to be fun to watch, Paul. Yeah. And I think they know it. I think there's a quiet confidence there. And I think the, the, the few holes were filled. And so, um, you know, Quinn Ewers got the buzz cut yesterday. And that's, that's, that tells you it's not just all business anymore. You know, it's not, he's, hey, 120 degree heat index with this helmet on. You know, it's, he's coming out of his shell. And I think he's been learning more about himself along the way. To me, that's kind of a cool side story subplot to this year. He's special. And I think we're going to see that. And so, yeah, we need to get back. We need to talk. We have a lot to catch up on. There's, there's so many things. We didn't even, we didn't even tackle Hunter Biden. We didn't even, talk, <laughs> we didn't even talk about the UFO. You know, Trump might be indicted nine more times before we, we get to talk the next time. Um, you know, there's a lot going on, man. There's a lot going on, man. Or there's a lot to get a grip on. Well, we try to keep the politics out just because they're such a beating, but <laughs> no, I will say this. Yes. The search for extra, extra, extraterrestrial intelligence, SETI, the program that we use to try to contact alien life. You know, you're aware of this, right? Yes. Well, enough that I've seen. If I was president, I would disband the entire thing. I don't want to contact any superior civilizations. I, I'm a history major, Justin. I know what happens when superior civilizations <laughs> encounter primitives, and it ain't good. And I suspect it's a universal law of the universe. Yeah, yeah. You stay on your side of the fence, we'll stay on ours. Exactly. We're, we're, the, we're the Amazon tribesmen, and I don't think it ends well for us. So. Man, I, I do want to say thank you for letting me come on. You know, we do this a couple times a year and it's always so much fun. It's so easy. It's, it's enjoyable. I always learn something talking to you and listening to you. I always enjoy the ones you put out and uh, really, really grateful for the thinking Texas football this year. That's a must get for, for fans. If you're Texas fans, please. There's so many avenues. Please check that out. Uh, there's so many avenues to purchase that. It, it's, it's really a, a, it's really the, the basis of going into your year. And so uh, I'm just thankful that we get to do this. Man, thank you. I really appreciate that. That That's heartfelt thanks to you, Justin, and for all you do for the site. 
Uh, you're one of the reasons Inside Texas is the best. And uh, I'm going to PayPal you that $10 I promised you for that plug. So thanks, man. <laughs> All right. For Justin Wells, I'm Paul Wadlington. Adios. Interest rates are up and the market is tumultuous. And now more than ever, you need the best darn possible mortgage broker working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. And you can reach him at 832-557-1095. Or you can go to mortgagesbygabe.com. What makes Gabe so unique? Well, he's incredibly bright. He's a UT grad. He's got a law degree. He's been in the mortgage industry for over 20 years. And he is a true mortgage broker. What does that mean? It means he can shop for the best deal at over 80 different lenders and find you the terms that best suit you. Most mortgage guys you talk to won't reveal that they have exactly one size fits all for you and exactly one conduit to get your loan. If you are in these hyper competitive markets and you're in these markets that have frankly gotten a, less, a lot less friendly to the consumer, you need the best possible person working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. He has our full endorsement. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado, you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, if you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.